Hello and welcome to another episode of The Living Philosophy. I was away visiting family uh, in on the other side of the Atlantic last week, so uh, just settling back in, uh, trying to get my sleep cycle fixed, and uh, yeah, I'm really kind of all over the shop at the moment, but some great stuff planned for the next few months. Um, that profile of Heidegger was a lot of fun and really, really interesting to make. So I'm planning a series on existentialist philosophers. So we're going to look at Kierkegaard next, and then maybe Sartre, the Beauvoir, Camus, and, and Jaspers. And I guess Nietzsche would even fit into that category. So maybe even a broad overview of Nietzsche and the horizon. Um, that, and I want to make a few videos on some developmental psychology. So I've been thinking a lot about Maslow and spiral dynamics recently. So yeah, that's also on the horizon. In the meantime, I thought we'd do something a little bit different this week. So I was on my phone last week and I came across this video of Jordan Peterson crying on Piers Morgan. And I just saw the thumbnail and I was, I really wanted, I was really getting drawn in, but I managed to, you know, avoid the algorithmic hijacking and continue with what I actually wanted to do on YouTube. But then a few days later, I uh, came across this article on the New York Magazine's online thing, The Cut. And yeah, it was just this, this article that just drew me in. So I quickly devoured that short little thing. It was only something like 600 words. Uh, but there was something about it that really uh, struck me and I couldn't immediately figure out what it was. Uh, I think like everyone, I've consumed a lot of culture war stuff over the last five or six years, but it's been a little bit of a while. I've had a bit of, a bit of distance from it um, and I don't know whether it's that or maybe some of the things that I've been researching in the meantime, the last few months, but there was just a new awareness kind of bubbling beneath the surface as I was going through this this article. So I just thought, I take a little time, sit down, figure it out, and then I thought, well, okay, let's let's make a little video out of that. And so here we are. And yeah, basically what I came up with was this realization that the the whole culture wars thing is it's a psychological mirror and it's 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 a codependent psychological mirror. Um now for those of you who don't actually know what I'm talking about, uh there was a Olivia Wilde who I only know from the OC. Uh, she made a movie. I think she's a, she's a director. So I think this is her second movie. And it's in that movie. There's a bad guy and the bad guy is completely based on Jordan Peterson. And in some interview with some magazine, she gave a description of like, you know, Jordan Peterson. And then later on, Jordan Peterson was on Piers Morgan. Well, I think he replied somewhere else, but then yeah, he was on Piers Morgan and Piers Morgan was reading him some of the stuff from her interview. And yeah, he got really emotional. He started crying and obviously that set the internet on fire. So yeah, uh, the cut is, the cut article, it's kind of a, a, a summary of the, the back and forth and, and the different steps, but summary coming from a certain angle. So it's a blow by blow account, but coming from yeah, one side of the, of the, of the equation. The article is pretty typical of any culture wars related content. We're presented with two in-groups. There's the so-called woke in-group, which is the mainstream progressive movements advocating for the rights of minorities and marginal groups. And then we have what we call the alt-right group, in which we usually find the likes of Peterson, Trump, the incels, um, now, obviously, these aren't labels that either side would ever apply to themselves. Um, but for the most part, this is uh, what the what they're out when they're when they're out groups. So when the woke are talking about the other side, they call them the alt right, and when the alt right are talking about the other side, they call them the woke. So that's generally the way these sides are set up, and that's kind of the way this article sets them up as well. So then, these are the two sides of the culture war. On one side, we have Olivia Wilde, who says that we base that character on this insane man, Jordan Peterson who is this pseudo-intellectual hero to the incel community. 
Wilde defined incels to interview as disenfranchised, mostly white men who believe they are entitled to sex from women. And on the other side, we have Peterson, of which we hear the following. He also called the film the latest bit of propaganda disseminated by the woke, self-righteous bores and bullies who now dominate Hollywood. Now, in the face of it, this article from The Cut is written from and for the woke in-group. And when I was thinking about this article afterwards, I remembered a random thing I saw last year when I was out for a walk. And there's a mosque just up the road from me here. And I remember one day there was some kid in a group and he was slightly cut off from the, he was walking slightly in front of the rest of the group. And he just started mocking. There was a Muslim man obviously going into the mosque, maybe it was a Friday, who was in, you know, all, all the, the, the get up. And yeah, this, this kid just started, he kind of saw that saw his opportunity and then he mocked the guy getting a laugh from the group. But it was interesting because before all this, the kid was like at the fringes of the group and he wasn't the cool kid. And by making that comment, he managed to make himself uh, more of an in-person within that in-group. And at the time, I thought a lot about it and how if we're feeling a bit excluded or lower in status, then othering is a way of bringing ourselves back into the fold. If you're on the fringes, then creating a sharper outgroup brings you deeper into the in-group. So we should be most wary of people on the fringes who are most in need of a status boost and will become increasingly desperate to get it. This is relevant to how Trump became president, how Caesar became Caesar, and it also ties in with the psychology of conspiracy theories, where we see that the disenfranchised and marginalised are the most vulnerable to conspiratorial thinking. Attacks against the outgroup curry favour with the in-group. The cut is signalling that it is a woke outlet. Olivia Wilde is signalling that she is a woke person. On the other side, Jordan Peterson is signalling that he's on the side of the alt-right. And again, obviously none of these people would say they were woke or alt-right because that's an out-group term for them rather than an in-group term. But we can see the way these different actors move into certain position in the field of force relations. Peterson aligns with one collection of strategic power that we usually caricature as the alt-right, while Wilde and the Cut align themselves with another set of strategic forces that we usually caricature as the woke. What I'm interested in is the fact that psychologically there's something very similar going on in each camp. Each side of this equation has compassion for one group and hatred for another. Peterson shows disdain for the woke, Wilde and the Cut show disdain for Peterson and the incels. They're tightening up their compassion for the in-group and blowing off their steam towards the out-group, just like that teenager I saw was doing with the man heading to the mosque. They are literal mirror images of each other. On the woke side, the group that is being empathised with are the LGBT+, racial and gender minorities. On the alt-right side, it's the incels, the white people living in poverty, the young men and other groups that feel like personae non gratae in the 21st century progressive society. Peterson feels deep and genuine compassion for the young males who are struggling today. That's where his focus goes. While the typically university-educated woke group invalidates and dismisses these struggles with terms like white privilege or male privilege, Peterson takes their struggle seriously, obviously identifying with their struggle on a personal level. Those on the woke side of the cultural chasm are either unaware, sometimes willfully, or dismissive of this deep-felt compassion of Peterson's, that we often see move him to tears. They don't see this benevolent, loving face that Peterson shows towards his in-group. And that is for good reason, because Peterson's compassion seems to end with young males. He expresses little but disdain for those in the woke camp, a proclivity that has been widened to a chasm by the vicious feedback loop between his views and their reception in the culture. 
As the criticisms of him become more extreme, so too does his rage. The image of Peterson that those in his outgroup see is the bitter, angry face he turns towards them, and not the compassionate, caring face he turns to his in-group. In the mirror image of this, we have the woke camp. The dismissal by Wilde of the incels basically chalks their problems up to being first world problems. The mental health crisis among young white males and the suicide rate in this demographic is not a source of compassion because the signal that the woke bucket receives from this demographic is the reaction to the progressive campaign. This reaction is in response to the woke's study of historical oppression and systemic inequality. This generates a lot of anger in the woke which they project onto the face that most fits their demonic mask and that is white males. Of course, not at the elite, university-educated white males who are on the woke side of the line, but generally the uneducated, prejudiced white males from lower socioeconomic backgrounds. These are the individuals who are most likely to fit the mask of the domineering masculine. This is the woke that the alt-right side see. It is an angry, resentful face that invalidates and dismisses their struggles. But what the alt-right either willfully ignore or completely overlook is that the woke movement is axiomatically a movement of compassion. In the Big Five Ocean personality system that Peterson has written scores of academic articles on, the agreeableness trait can be broken down into two elements, politeness and compassion. Politeness, the tendency to respect social norms, is correlated with the right wing, while compassion and empathy for others that trumps any concern about social norms is correlated more with the left. So compassion is a more central trait to the left. The woke side of the cultural chasm directs its compassion at the LGBT+, racial minorities and women as the oppressed. It is still far from safe to be a gay person. There are still disadvantages to being a woman or to being a racial minority. And this is a set of groups that the woke treats as an in-group. The source of oppression, of course, is identified by the terms white and male. And hence, we've got a very convenient showdown. Funnily enough, the stereotypical woke individual is university educated, middle class and saddled with the debt that comes with that, while the stereotypical alt-right is going to be white males without a university education and at the lower end of the socio-economic scale, closer to the poverty line. And these are the two groups that are pitted against each other. The culture wars are the sport of the poor and the debt-ridden. Were we to look at the culture wars through the eyes of a Marxist conspiracy theorist, one might suspect a game of divide and conquer being at play. And here we might remark that there is no longer religion, but the culture wars that are the opiate of the masses. But setting that aside for now, what is interesting here is that we have two groups that are perfect mirrors of each other, and yet each thinks that they are the victims and saviors, while the other side are the devils and oppressors. Peter references the self-righteous bullies that dominate Hollywood, while Wilde talks about the entitled and white side that Peterson is the hero of. They are codependent in that each needs the other to prop up their identity. The bitter white male provides very good fodder for the woke image of oppressor, and the same goes for the so-called social justice warrior on the side of the alt-right. As ever, this is all painted in the archetypal colours of heroism. The culture wars offer us a chance to paint ourselves in heroic colours and to give our lives meaning. We have the chance to be heroes on this archetypal battlefield. But as Jungian Robert Moore points out, the archetype of the hero is immature. Until its hero's journey is completed, this hero is more of a liability to his society than a bonus. Speaking about this ego inflation of the hero, Moore writes, People standing in unconscious spiritual grandiosity, anxious to be idealised by others, 
are particularly reactive to any lack of dogmatic or ideological agreement. Their narcissism demands a rigid ideological sameness from everyone. They experience the unique interpretations of others as painful narcissistic wounds to their own inflated pretensions, and this provokes a whole constellation of rage responses. They see the other as a demonic agent shaking the foundations of their already shaky narcissistic equilibrium. They see their own unconscious satanic inflation in the face of the other. They generate unconscious genocidal fantasies of holy revenge. They want to become heroes who step up to the task of cleansing the world of chaos and evil. You can read this passage with Peterson, the incels or the woke mobs of Twitter in mind and you see that it applies equally to them all. Saw this firsthand in the comments beneath my video on Jordan Peterson's shadow. You can see the woke version of it all over Twitter. There is a cause that needs to be defended. It's as if the whole culture were at stake. This undoubtedly ties into the meaning crisis and how in the midst of the postmodern nihilist crisis, we are all searching for some kind of meaning we can hold on to. And the easiest thing to grasp is the archetypal holy war of the culture wars. Not that I see any easy way around it, it's just when I read an article like this, it sets off all these alarm bells in my head. It's supposed to outrage the audience and divide us into two neat groups that each feel vindicated. But it's all just a pile of culturally immature ego inflation. Both sides are compassionate and both sides are callous, and each have met their match in the other. Each side needs the other. Meanwhile, you get populists like Trump who step in and speak to one side or the other and cynically capture the flag for their own ends. It's interesting because I don't consume that much social media anymore and I don't consume that much uh, culture war stuff anymore. So I've been thinking, is, is that the reason? Is it having that little bit of distance? Is that what like is now giving me the space to be able to empathize both with the LGBT plus side and with the incels? And yeah, it just seems like it shouldn't really be that complicated. It should be... It, like when it's not politicized and turned into an issue where you've got this divide it's, it's you can just hear oh yeah that person's struggling i can empathize with that that makes sense and then oh this person's struggling i can empathize with that um but it's just turned into this politicized thing and you get this archetypal charge running through and it just seems to have become this excessive yeah overweening kind of drama um so yeah that's everything for this episode of the living philosophy I'd like to thank Shane, Chris Anteater, and all the other patrons for their support of the channel. If you'd like to get access to weekly bonus episodes, monthly Q&As, and get your name in the credits like these fine people, then you can head over to Patreon. As ever, if you have any thoughts, insights, or feedback, I'd love to hear from you down in the comments. Otherwise, I should see you next time. Thank you for watching.